uh, you know, as, he's, as he does, he's teaching and he's, he's healing people and he's doing this, all this stuff. And there's different kinds of people in the crowd. And on this occasion, there were as diverse of people as you can possibly have in one place. Right? On one side, we're going to read, on one side we have the teachers of the law, the religious people, the guys with the robes and they're looking good and, you know, got all the bells and whistles, literally, <laughs> on, them, on them. And on the other end, we're going to find that we have the, the downtrodden and the lower members of society, right? Uh, the, those that are, some people call them marginalized of society. It's the it's the people who other people look down on, okay? And so it's interesting because Jesus, <laughs> he, he, he loves to come in and just kind of mess with people. Have you noticed this? Like, yeah, seriously, read your Bible, but try not to read it as an American in the 21st century. Try to read it as it's written, right? So Jesus on this day, he looks out at the crowd, he's going, all right, I got, I got hookers, and I got traitors on this side over here. And on the other side, he's got these religious people, right? And then, of course, he's got the fishermen and the other, everybody else in the middle, right? And I can almost see him taking a step back and cracking his knuckles and going, all right, time to mess with some stuff right now. Because I will tell you this, when Jesus came to this earth, he did not come to this earth to just kind of tweak the religious system, right? He didn't come to go, well, it's pretty good, but I think we're going to just do it. Nope. He's like, all right, everybody. <laughs> we talked about this last week. He came to do this. <laughs> he, just, he just flipped the whole thing upside down, right? The, the rich and, and the powerful in society are now the lowest, and the least become the greatest, right? And adults are the most important people in society, but Jesus turns around and says, yeah, but unless you become like this little kid over here, you're, you're just going to miss the whole thing, right? Woof. He just flips the whole thing upside down. And so take your Bibles and turn to, to uh, Luke chapter 15. And what we're really talking about here is a scandalous, risky, revolutionary love. Right? When he starts to mess with these teachers of the law and the prostitutes and tax collectors and the, and the lower people of society, he's really, really, really taking the religious system and flipping it. Because if you're religious and you keep all the rules and you do everything right, that would make you holy in this system. But if you sinned a lot and you didn't do the right things or jump through the right hoops or, or obey the right rules and regulations, then you pretty much weren't even allowed to come to church. Wow. How many think it's pretty good Like if, if sinners and people that have made messed up choices, like the church is where we want them, right? We actually want people in this place to experience God's love. And so on this day, Jesus starts messing with people. So I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It reads pretty similar in all of them, but on the screen you're going to find the Passion Translation. And it says this, Luke 15, verse 1. Many, everybody say many, many dishonest tax collectors and other Notorious sinners. Say that with me. Notorious sinners. These aren't just your run-of-the-mill sinners, mind you. <laughs> these are the notorious sinners, right? These, these guys are, are hitting it out of the park when it comes to sinning, right? And what we're really talking about are, you know, prostitutes. They hung out with Jesus. 
and liars and cheats and thieves and, and even the tax collectors, they were traitors to their own country. So we're talking about really good sinners. These guys were, were really good at it. But it says many of them gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This, okay, so I always do this when I'm preaching. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying you guys are all the notorious sinners, right? But just for way of example, on this side of the room, notorious sinners, okay? All right? And on this side of the room, you're the religious ones, okay? You're the ones that obey all the laws and all this. And if Jesus does something out of line, you guys say this. <gasps> okay, go ahead. <gasps> oh, I can't believe he would say that. Did you see all those notorious sinners over there? Just get out your finger and wag it at them. Would you just go ahead and do this? Like, and you guys are like, bring it on. <laughs> all right? So you got the notorious sinners and you got the religious people over here. <laughs> wagging their fingers. And look at what it says. It says, this raised concerns with Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant. Go ahead, give me your best indignant. I think with indignant, you have to have one eyebrow that goes way up high. like this. And you got to look over your glasses down on the other people, right? Indignant. They grumbled and complained, saying, Look how this man associates with these notorious sinners. I don't know why I got a lisp all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> notorious sinners. <laughs> all right? It says, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. Like, you know what they were mad about? These guys were mad because Jesus was saying, come on in. All you guys that are messed up and making bad choices, you need to hear what I got to say. And he takes this religious system, he just flips it upside down. And what was valuable now isn't valuable. And what wasn't valuable now becomes invaluable, right? It becomes more valuable. In other words, Jesus is trying to make a point. And so in Luke 15, he goes on, and he tells three stories about lost things. Now, if you want to listen to last week's, we talked about the lost sheep. He goes on to tell that story first. Hundred sheep, shepherd has. One gets wandered off, and he leaves the 99, and he goes and gets the one. When he finds the one, he comes back, and they have a booyah party. Like, they have this huge party. Calls all his friends, brings them in. This is so awesome, you know, let's have this party. Why? Because one lost lamb has been brought back home. And so it's interesting because in verse 3 it says, after all the religious indignation and all the, you know, wagging of the fingers and the lisping, <laughs> he uh, he says this, verse 3, in response to the religious people, in response, Jesus gave them this illustration, or these illustrations. He actually tells three stories. Okay? So last week was Lost Sheep. If you want to listen, it's on the podcast, it's on iTunes, just the whole thing. Let's pick up the story, though, in Luke chapter 15, verse 8, right? You want to jump on down there. We're going to go to the second lost story. Lost Sheep was the first one. Now we're going to look at what is known as the lost coin, okay? And so, I know we stood some, but I want you to stand with me as we read this this morning. Then we're going to say a quick prayer and just let God have his way, amen? All right, all right. So let's read this first verse together. Jesus gave them another parable 
There once was a woman who had ten valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. So, Father, we thank you today that you love us and you love humanity so much. And we are so grateful that you just flipped that religious system upside down. And you're still flipping things upside down. And you're still messing with us. And the lies that we have heard and the untruths that we have chosen to believe need to be flipped upside down. They need to be torn out of our spirit, torn out of our minds. And Father, I pray today that you would give us new minds and new thoughts and a new revelation of how much you love us. Even though we've made bad choices, Father, your love never changes. So give us a revelation of that today. If that's your prayer, turn to the person next to you and say, yes, yes. Yes, that's my prayer. Amen. Go ahead and sit down. <laughs> so Jesus is telling this story, and you have this woman, and she has ten silver coins. Now, just to kind of set the table for us a little bit, in this society and in this story, we're, we're, most of the homes were, were not huge mansions, but they did, they were cluttered. Because, you know, in America, we like to, everybody has their own bedroom, right? In nut society, they had like 20 people in one room, right? And all their junk. And it was wooden, I'm sorry, it was dirt floors. So a coin in a cluttered, kind of dirty, dirty floor environment could very easily get lost, right? And so the woman has a valuable coin. And, and one of the coins, of course, there's a lot of debate on how much was the coin and what was it worth, but most scholars would say that it's, it was pretty valuable. And uh, I was reading some in, in the Passion Translation, in the commentary, it says that the coin was probably worth, in our society, close to $1,200. Now, I don't know about you, but $1,200 is quite a bit of money, right? I don't care what Nancy Pelosi says. You know, it's not crumbs. $1,000 is $1,000, right? <laughs> right? So... <laughs> And I'm looking for these tax cuts. This is going to be awesome because, you know, a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks, right? So this woman has ten of these coins, and she loses one of them. And I just think it's interesting as we set the table for this story. Um, I don't know how much you know about Jewish society, but men were the most important. Everybody else pretty much didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And so you have all these religious men listening to these parables, and because of them, he's telling this story, right? And so he starts off with the shepherd and the sheep thing, and that one, you know, that's kind of a society thing, and everybody gets it. He goes to a second story, and he doesn't say a man lost ten coins. He says what? A woman has ten valuable coins. So ten times twelve hundred, what is that? That's a, you know. It's a lot of money, right? I just did a mind blurb there on math, sorry. But uh, it's a lot of money, right? But can you imagine in a society where women almost had no value, he says, listen, this woman has a ton of value. She's got all these coins, and the woman actually, so could you imagine? Remember we talked about whoop, flipping that thing upside down? Like you can almost imagine Jesus talking this story, and he says, a woman <laughs> had ten silver coins, you know what I'm saying? What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus wants to break the whole thing up. 
if you a woman here, you valuable, right? You worth something. Jesus purposely put a woman in this story, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? It, it keeps saying it, right? I'm good, right? Oh, man, it's powerful. So Jesus purposely puts a woman in the story. He wants to flip this thing upside down. And it says when she loses one of these coins, that she swept her entire house. <laughs> now, mind you, it's a dirt floor. So she's sweeping dirt to find a coin in the dirt, right? So have you ever lost anything, you know, like a value, right? <laughs> Stop more than others. How many of you lose your keys a lot? Anybody lose their keys all the time? Okay. You know. We're going to get back to you in a second. But when we, when we lose something, right, here's the thing. If I lose my keys or I, <laughs> have you ever lost your car in a parking lot? Anybody ever done this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you lose your car. Well, that's worth something, right? <laughs> you know? But how many of you know just because we lose something, doesn't diminish its value. Like, in other words, because the coin was lost did not make the coin a filthy, rotten sinner, right? I think Jesus is trying to make a point that the coin still has inherent value even though it's in a lost condition. Now let that sink in just for a minute. Because we talk about people who are saved and know Christ, and then we talk about the lost, and these are people what? That don't know Christ. And the church has been really bad at this. Like, we think we have value, and the most valuable people are the sons and daughters of the Most High God that have Jesus in their heart. I got news for you. Jesus loves you exactly the same as he loved Adolf Hitler. Saddam Hussein, you know, any of these crazy people, you know, like that have made all these horrible choices. Guess what? They're still worth 1200 bucks. <laughs> Every single person has value. And here's where we go to this thing, this, this thing we talk about that we were talking about earlier of, you know, sometimes these words that we say are really hard, and they hit us hard, and we tend to hang on to the negative and the worthless words. Pastors are really, this is hard on a lot of pastors, because for a lot of pastors and leaders, you know, we throw ourselves into the ministry and we really give it all and then somebody comes up and says, yeah, you know, that sermon, that stunk. I don't know what you were doing up there walking around and, you know, oh, you know, you really missed it or, you know, your fly was down the whole time. I don't know what you were doing, you know, like, come on, buddy, get it together. You're like, like, if you get a negative word, it sticks, man. And so, you know what I'm talking about on your job. You can do a great job and you pour everything into it and the boss comes over and says, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, you misspelled my name or whatever. Like, you know, he points out the flaws. And then what do you focus on? The negative. You know, the enemy of your soul, the devil and all his demons, I would, I would dare say this. One of their most important job that they do is trying to get you to believe you're not worth anything. Trying to get you to believe that because you have sinned, even notoriously, <laughs> how many of you would just admit you've sinned notoriously, right? Like if it came to sinning and it was an Olympic event, you're on the gold medal stand. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have done it well, <laughs> right? And I love these stories. I love all three of these stories because Jesus literally is speaking to the, 
the stuck-in-the-mud religious people about these people who the religious people think have no value whatsoever because they've sinned. And Jesus is saying in this story, you know what, I don't care if they're lost and dirty. I love them exactly the same. And I see high value on them. Man, I'm telling you, if we could ever really get that into our spirit. <laughs> you know, I was thinking I, I left my wallet upstairs. But if you have two $20 bills, right? So I said that back. We're up generous and prosperous. When you have two $20 bills, <laughs> forget it, $200 bills. Okay, we got $100 bills, right? If I'm holding up $200 bills, and one of them is crisp and pristine, and the other one has seen a few miles, right? It's all crumpled up, it's dirty, maybe got, you know, some mud on it, somebody wrote, you know, George on it or whatever, you know. But if you hold them up, guess what? What are they worth? Still 100 bucks, right? Just because that coin was in the dirt or behind the dresser or somewhere in that house, it didn't, it didn't make it any less valuable to the to the owner. I'm telling you, it's powerful. And yet, this last weekend, uh, this last week, I, I'm, many of you know I'm going to this, I'm involved with the School of Emerging Prof, uh, Apostles. School of Emerging Apostles. And it's just this amazing thing, and I won't go into all of it again, other than to say, I think God is doing some things in me, and he's allowing me to hear some things through different teachers. And there was a guy there this weekend, and his name is uh, Coach, Coach Pat, if you ever need a life coach, talk to me. I'll hook you up with this guy. He's amazing. But one of the things he taught on was this idea of a fixed mindset versus a, versus a growth mindset. See, a fixed mindset is, you know, I shall not be moved. Like, this is how I, okay, best way to explain it. If you were spoken over ill as a kid, like your parents said, you're stupid and you're never going to amount to anything. Some people just stay there, and they live their whole life based on the thought, bless you, they, bet, they base their whole life based on the thought, I'm a loser, I'm stupid, and I'm never going to amount to anything. Fixed mindset. See, but a growth mindset, I really believe, is what God wants to tell us, and that is just because something happened doesn't make you that thing. Are you with me? So an example would be, I have failed, a fixed mindset, I have failed at something, Therefore, what? I'm a failure. Like my identity comes from my choices. Now, mind you, I think choices are powerful and they do affect us. But here's the thing. Just because you fail at something doesn't make you a failure. Right? Because that's not how God, it's like the coin getting lost in the dirt. That's, it's still worth 1200 bucks, Right? I have sinned. Therefore, I'm a sinner. See, that's how the religious people were looking at the prostitutes, tax collectors, and all that stuff. They said, listen, you'd sin, you're a sinner. Problem is, <laughs> these guys sin too, <laughs> right? And if we have a mindset that says, I am what my choices are, right? Like, if I'm a sinner, I've sinned, therefore I'm a sinner. We get locked into a box. And I will tell you this, the enemy will take out both six shooters. And he'll just let you have it. You ever had that experience? You make a mistake, and the enemy just comes, and he just starts unloading on you. 
yeah, you're a sinner. Man, you're never going to amount to nothing. And, and you can't be in ministry or you can't witness to someone. And you, because of all this notorious sinning that you've done. And some people, actually in that fixed mindset, you may have committed a sin in your 20s and he's still holding you right through that. So again, we talked about this quite a bit. Do we believe the Bible or don't we? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like grace says, look, we sang it today. Your grace is enough. Is it? Is it really enough? Because at some point we have to say, your grace is enough that I can let go of that thing I did 30 years ago and I can move on. <laughs> or I can let go of that thing that I did last week and I can move on. Amen? And I will tell you, your value is not based on the, your capacity to be perfect. <laughs> did you hear me? Your value is not based on your capacity and your, your, your power to be perfect. Tweet that one. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like if we could ever get into that thing of saying, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. Grace, I'm going to cover that. I'm going to let God's love do some things and change it so that I, I don't want to make that thing, do that thing anymore. You know, like I just think, I'm looking at Mike, I was just thinking about Mike. And Mike, I think, is very honest about his struggle with alcohol back, you know, many years ago. And Mike will tell you that when he became a Christian, you know, he had kind of a struggle getting, getting out of some of that stuff. But here's the thing. God loved Mike exactly the same whether he was drinking or not drinking. Now, he wanted him out of that addiction and that, that life, you know, chains in his life. But the devil would tell you, Mike, you messed up, man. You can't go to church. God doesn't love you. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So good. See, the lot, then that was awesome because Mike chose to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Amen? And I want to tell you something. I don't care here or if you're in Facebook land or podcast land, if you sin notoriously, come to church. Come with us. Come on in. Because there's nobody here that can hold up their hand and say, well, I'm uh, perfect in my righteousness, whatever. We're all on this journey, right, of saying, God, you know, because, <laughs> let's be honest, when you sin, you don't need somebody to tell you you're a sinner. Amen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you've experienced the love of God in any way, you go, well, that doesn't feel right. It's not lining up with who God says I am. And that's really the growth of, of discipleship and all those things, right? We say, you know what? It feels... How many of you raise your hand and say, you love the joy of sins forgiven? You know what I'm saying? Like when you ask forgiveness and God's mercy comes and cleanses you and washes you, can't, don't you just kind of want to stay there like you're in a, this amazing shower? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in my house, I have a, we have nice, good water and showers, and it's okay. But you ever go to a hotel and they have that shower? You know what I'm talking about? You turn it on, you're like, oh, oh, like the music should come on. You're like, oh. <sighs> this thing is coming out. No worries about how much water you're using. No worries about the hot water tank, right? You're just like, oh. So this week I had this shower, and I'm just standing there going, oh. You know what? That's God's grace, man. He's not just trickling a little bit on you. He's blasting you with the best thing you've ever had in your whole life, right? Whew. 
I just might start preaching here in a second. <sighs> you are worth something no matter whatever you've done. Romans 5.8, many of you know this verse, man. It's so powerful. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. And I would just say put me in there. God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You talk about flipping something upside down. We live in a world where you have to earn and work to deserve anything. And God says, no. Before you even thought about committing that sin, I already died for you. I already took the place of you. I already turned on the hot shower for you, right? I already did all the, heart, the heavy lifting. That is powerful, man. And so I, I feel like this morning God wants to just impart to us how much the Father actually loves us. How much he actually loves us. Next week we're going to talk about the parable of the lost sons, because I think both sons had some issues. And the father, and the, and the picture that we're going to see of the father. But do you know that the same father is right here? Is in this story. The same father is telling you today, you have value. You, it doesn't matter how dirty or lost that coin is. It's still worth 1200 bucks. And we see how much value it has to God because then the next uh, part of the verse says this. Well, actually, let me back up. If you are in a place of... Okay. <laughs> I'm not looking at the clock anymore. I'm just going to go for a few minutes, all right? <sighs> it is pretty tough to have the Father's heart for something if I'm not confident in who I am. You see, w when we look at lost people, and we all know lost people, some of them notorious sinners, you know, when we look at people that are lost, when we look at people that are notorious sinners, you know, if I don't have the heart of the Father towards them, how many of you know I'm not going to see them the way I should? Right? See, if... if for too many Christians, too many believers, we, we think because a coin is dirty or a $100 bill is messed up, it's somehow worth less. And I would just encourage us, I think the one thing that we all need more and more and more is to understand our place as sons and daughters with a loving Father. If you are not coming on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock to the sons and daughters thing with Kathy... You've missed out on a couple, but there's one more next week, and we are going to circle back around on this and circle back around. Why? Because if I understand who I am, then I can begin to see things the way God sees them. <laughs> Go back over here. Of course, you guys aren't really the religious people, but this group of religious people, they just knew the laws. You want to know why? I know they didn't really know God. Because his son showed up and they thought he was the devil. They actually called him Beelzebub. Right? See, religious, religion can get you messed up. And you will start attributing to Satan the things that actually belong to God. And you'll begin to see things through, when you look through religious eyes and a not 
connected thing to your father, you, you, you start seeing things screwy, man. You know, we talked a little bit last week about churches picketing other churches and homosexuality and, you know, abortion and, uh, you know, just blowing up things. It's just, oh, craziness. Sometimes I'm just ashamed to say I'm from a church. Not this church, but I mean just church, you know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of screwy religious Christians out there that have totally missed how valuable they are and how much the Father actually wants them to see what he sees. You remember what Jesus said? He says what? I only do what I see the Father doing. And I only say what I hear the Father saying, right? Well, how can you know what to say or see or do if you're not connected to the Father, right? It's so powerful. So I'll just encourage you, get into some of that. Uh, there's a couple resources. I just threw these up. Uh, so first of all, the sons and daughters thing. We got one more with Kathy. Uh, and it doesn't just end next week, but, but this idea, man, get, get, get into that, sons and daughters stuff. But then also there's a guy by the name of Jack Frost. Uh, some of you are familiar with him, and we've gone through some of his materials a couple times here in the past at this church. But his whole thing is about the Father's love. His whole thing is about understanding how much the Father loves you and how valuable you are to him. And if you need some help in this area, there's a couple things. One, he's got one book called Experiencing Father's Embrace, and there's another one that we've used around here called uh, From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. Right? <laughs> kind of making the journey from the religious to the, to the relational. Right? So that's just kind of a sign of, but I just did, I wanted you to know that because I think if we start experiencing sonship and daughters, daughtership, we too will become tenacious about the lost. Remember that in the story? It said, man, she got off the broom and she was diligent and she went, she went to work, man. Right? See, I think if we, if, we, if we connect with the Father and we understand who we are, then we start to sound like him and we start to, to look at what he looks at and it just changes us, right? Man, I just want to encourage you with that. Let your confidence begin to swell, right? Hmm. Some of you have friends that you talk to every day, and you really want them to, to know God, right? You want them to experience heaven. You want them to experience that joy of sins forgiven, right? Man, I tell you what, that's what the Father wants to. That's why he's telling these stories. And it's interesting because it says this. <laughs> He actually wants them to get saved more than you do. And the more connected we are with him, then the more we have his heart for things. Matthew 18, it's the, it's the synoptic uh, gospel to Luke in terms of some of the stories. And, and it says this in verse 14 in Matthew 18. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. He's talking about the sheep story. But it's the same thing, right? He's not willing... In other words, he's, he's not okay with anybody being lost. If you lack confidence in sharing your faith and doing these things or stepping out in the miraculous, I would say probably you have a, a father-son-daughter uh, issue of some kind. Right? So I'm finding this to be true in my own life, and I just want to tell you, this is not like, <laughs> you never fully arrive. Anybody here know the father pretty well, but you're still hungry? 
right? You know what I'm saying? Like we know the Father, we understand, but there's just more. He wants to pour more of him into us. So I just want to challenge you with that one thing. And what is important to God? Is it important to God? Then it should be important to me, right? So then he goes on. Let me wrap up here. Verse 9 and 10, he says this. So she's lost the coin. She's looking for it. She finds it, finally. Verse 9, it says, when she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me, exclamation point, <laughs> right? I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I found it. Boy, that's really something, isn't it? Like, when's the last time you called the neighbors over when you lost your keys? Dude, party in my house. I found my keys. You know, like, it's like whatever, buddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it tells you, doesn't it, how valuable this is. I mean, because it's not just, hey, I found this coin. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's get out the streamers. Let's have a, let's get the punch out. Let's get out some stuff and we'll have some Doritos. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Let's have a party, right? See, that, that, that is how God thinks about this thing. And he goes to verse 10, he goes on, he says, that's the way God responds, <laughs> listen to this, every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for the one who was lost has been found. Man, I'm telling you, you and I have friends that heaven wants to rejoice over. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that teenager, teenagers are in with us this morning, and I was thinking, you know, you got friends at school that God wants to change your view of them. And it's not going to happen by going to church, and it's not going to happen just by, you know, reading books and doing their, like, religious stuff. No, it's all good. But when you catch the Father... When we begin to see him, it actually literally changes us, right? And we begin to see ourselves, you know, like we talk about, not as a failure because we failed. We look at that fail thing that we did as actually an opportunity to grow, right? We look at that thing and go, oh, I don't want to do that again. Let's try something different next time, right? And I begin to connect with God more. And he says, listen, you're my son. You're my daughter. I got so many awesome things for you. Let's us stay connected. And I can, I can tell you stuff. I can show you stuff. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be walking down the hallway. Or you're going to be at your job. And you're going to look at someone and go, wow. I never really thought about them like that before. I never really looked at them with those eyes before. They have value to my father. And he wants to have a party over them. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I just want to, I want us to be a church of people that makes heaven have parties all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we get to party down here, and let's have some fun. But I think when we can start getting people connected to God, we can get the sons and daughters that are lost and notoriously sinning connected back to the Father that loves them. Man, like, I want to get to heaven. Seriously, I want to get to heaven one day, and I'll walk in, and this isn't a pride thing. I just think it'd be fun. Like, you walk in the door, and the angels go, boom, dude. We had so many parties over you. It was amazing. 
like, oh man, let's do it again. You're like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want them to look at me and go, man, that you all. Oh. Like the angels won't even know what to say. They'll be so jazzed up about, hey man, we had so many parties. You guys were awesome. Epicenter Church, you were bringing people in, man, and you weren't afraid about all this weird stuff. You were connected to the Father. And man, seriously, dude, right? So I did surfer guy and I did list guy. I did all kind of guys today. I don't know what that's all about. But I will tell you this. The truth is God loves you so much. And the Father wants to connect with you this week. So we begin to see things differently. Amen. So I want to help you today. We're just going to put some music on. I've asked some people that, that um, you know, prayer team people that come. If you need to go, you're dismissed. I know we're a little bit past the time. But if you want someone to pray over you to help you on this journey, you know, maybe you've been told lies and you just need someone to declare truth over you today. We just want to pray for you. If you're in a place of saying, you know, I, I want to connect with God, I just... No, I'm stuck a little bit. I want to, I need some help getting moving in this. Just come and let someone declare over you not only your value, but they're going to speak some words from the Father to you uh, that we call prophetically. They're going to prophesy and declare speaking words. So just want to encourage you to do that. Let's, let's close in prayer. And then if you want some additional prayer or someone to prophesy, just come on up and we'll, we'll do that. So Lord, I just bless your people today. I thank you, God, that you have allowed us to come to this place not just for a religious exercise, not just to put one more notch in our belt or one more check on our list. But Father, you've allowed us to be in this place today to learn a little bit more and experience you a little bit more so that we understand our place as valuable sons and daughters. Lord, that you see us different than perhaps how we've been spoken over. Lord, that we have value. Just like that lost coin, Father, I thank you that how you view us never changes. How you view us never is swayed by circumstances or other people's words. Your words is what matter. And we have intricate and amazing value to you. Lord, I pray that you would put those thoughts in our hearts and minds and allow us to leave this place. And, and Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that when a lie comes to our minds this week, about us failed or how we've done something wrong 20 years ago or all those stupid lies that we believe. I pray that you would quicken us. And Holy Spirit, you would speak truth and life over us and we would begin to take that, that word, that lie, and almost like an unwanted guest, just usher him to the door and let him go out and slam the door behind him. Father, that we would be able to walk in the truth of how you see us. I pray that today. God bless you. If you want some prayer, come on up. We'd love to do that for you.